0: hello and welcome to black brown and Bilingual, where our mission is to unite the black and brown communities through education storytelling and community engagement
1: The vision of Black, Brown, and Bilingual is to be part of creating a world in which Black and Brown identities are affirmed, bilingualism, and biculturalism are nurtured, and equity is the driving force behind all that we do. All right, today our very special guest is Congressman James E. Clyburn, representative of South Carolina's 6th Congressional District and United States House Majority Whip. He chairs the House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Crisis, which will be the basis of our conversation today.
0: And before we get started with the uh, questions for today, we do want to give a quick shout out to Pastor Dominique Great uh, of the South Carolina NAACP for helping us set up this interview and helping to, uh, again continue to spread uh, information um, about uh, COVID-19 and the vaccine. So, uh, again, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, uh, Representative Flyburn. Um I guess we'll start with something nice and simple. In, in your opinion, where are we now with COVID as compared to a year ago? Um, you know, w- what successes have we had and what are some things that uh, we're still struggling with as a nation and in particular in, in your sixth district there? Well,
2: thank you very much for having me. It's kind of interesting, but I suspect that the uh my answer to to that question uh to both those questions would be the same thing uh we are uh, very successful uh so far uh because uh we have these four vaccines uh so the vaccinations are the reasons uh i think for the uh success uh, and the problem that we have today uh, is because of the bad vac- Uh, The vaccinations Uh, It is unfortunate, but um, uh, vaccine hesitancy is our big problem. Uh, We are following the science, uh, and it seems as if uh, there are a lot of science denials, uh, and um, uh, these deniers are, are driving the narrative with too many people. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's very clear to us uh, that um, today, uh, according to what I've read, 99.5% of all the people who are getting COVID-19 today are people who have not been vaccinated. Uh, That that means to me uh, that the vaccinations are successful. Mm -hmm. I heard just this morning. Uh, that the variant, uh, the Delta variant, um, uh, is uh, will not penetrate uh, those who have been vaccinated. Oh, wow. Uh, and yet, I'm reading that in Mississippi, uh, there are 10 children on life support uh, because of the Delta variant. So uh, what has been our success uh, seems to also be our failure.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we have seen how this pandemic really was so politicized from the start. Can you speak to how this idea of being vaccinated or wearing a mask became a political statement?
2: Oh, it's the foolishness we got from the former president mm-hmm. uh, and downright foolishness. Uh, and, but, you know, we will not be surprised at that uh, because uh, we saw uh, in the president's party, uh, over the last several years, uh, a lot of misinformation, mm-hmm. uh, and and people thrive on that. There are people who are making a lot of money off of misinformation. Uh, there's a new book out. Uh, two uh, ladies have published a book uh, about the extent of the misinformation. Uh, that Facebook uh, participated in. And I think it's high time for us to get a handle on this. And it's so unfortunate uh, that we uh, have unwittingly allowed ourselves to be hoodwinked uh, with all of this. Uh, the president uh, denied science, uh, but that started a long time ago with people saying, I can still remember uh, people on the floor of the House of Representatives saying there is that, that um, uh, global warming is a hoax. And here we are today registering temperatures on Earth uh, here in the United States uh, that rival the highest temperatures ever on Earth. These things are serious. And if we don't do something to combat this misinformation, is out here. We're going to have some serious problems going forward. The problems are serious now,
0: but they're going to get more so. Yes, definitely. Uh, I think the, the the value of of um, really getting that information to people. One thing that that I have taken note of, um, in some of the work uh, that that we have done, um, is that there is. A higher sense of hesitancy um, amongst our Black and Brown uh, community. Um, And as a former American history teacher, you know, I I have a historical root, right, a sense of why that may be, um, you know, with uh, the Tuskegee Project and and different things like that throughout history. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what, what have been some of the strategies that have been successful? In terms of um, battling that distrust, where not necessarily—it's the misinformation, but the distrust of government or of new medicine um, that that is historically grounded. Well, I'm glad to know that um, you uh, are
2: a former history teacher. So am I. Uh, so I understand uh, the reason for so so much um, hesitancy. At least in the Black community, I don't know uh, whether or not this history uh, has been uh, pronounced in the Brown community, as it has been with things like the Tuskegee Project. And I also know a a bit about the history of the polio vaccine. As you know, uh, we had two polio vaccines and I'm old enough to remember uh, when they were initiated. Uh, in the 1940s. Uh, I happened to have been born in in the year 1940. Uh, So um, I was around when Polio was visiting uh, neighborhoods, mine included, leaving one of my playmates dead and another one uh, crippled for life. Uh, But then along came uh, two people who uh, were able to unlock some secrets, scientific secrets, Um, Jonas Salk and Albert Sabin. Now, Jonas Salk's vaccine uh, was a shot in the arm. The Sabin vaccine was a little drop of serum on a lump of sugar. Now, you can imagine which one was preferred. You would always prefer that lump of sugar to the shot in the arm. So you can also imagine uh, which one went where. So I understand that. However, uh, we have worked for years now uh, to overcome those things and to get beyond those things. There are still pockets. Well, that's true. You see it every day. You hear, it, especially on one uh, news uh, medium, uh, all of this foolishness, Uh, I heard some of it this morning, Uh, just stuff that's just downright not true. And so I think that what we've got to do is combat this stuff with facts. For instance, the Moderna vaccine, uh, the lead scientist was a 30-something-year-old African-American woman to come up with the Moderna vaccine. So we got to let people know this woman wasn't trying to uh, kill anybody.
1: She's trying to save lives. Yes, 100%. So, you know, real quick, just got to insert a little bit of history. Yes, in the brown community, there has been a history of forced sterilization of Mexican-American women. And so that mistrust is certainly there for for the brown community as well. Um, So we know that your district is 54% black and 6% Hispanic. Um, And about 40% of South Carolina is fully vaccinated here in Illinois. We have about 48%. Um, Do you think that, um, or what do you think we can do to bring to light like the importance of this vaccine in ways that I think, the news is maybe missing, because I think if even if you're watching the news, people are still not going out there. Do you think, like, incentivizing it is helping? I know in Illinois, we have, like, a lottery going on. Do you think these incentives, <laughs> do you think this incentives are helpful? I know people are giving free beer. Um, what, what is it that you think we should do? Well, you know,
2: all of the above. This should be a small, small approach to this. Um, I am doing a, a lot of things. I had a town hall last night. Uh, and the first part of my town hall is a uh, a video that my staff put together uh, from some of the hearings I've had as chair uh, of the coronavirus uh, select subcommittee. Uh, and uh, we tell the story of an African-American man who uh, he tells his own story. He's in the clip uh, who uh, uh, Turned down the vaccine, absolutely was offered it back in January and said no to it. Uh, and he contracted the virus and ended up with a double lung transplant. So we got this video of him. And I opened my town hall meeting uh, with that five minute video of this man telling his story, as well as some clips uh, from the hearings uh, of the former. African-American Surgeon General under the uh, former administration, Dr. Adams, speaking strongly in favor of the vaccine. You know, to reach out to those people who may be influenced by the misinformation from the last administration, an an actress uh, there talking about what it means to her and her family, and of course, yours truly uh, there as well. That's what I'm trying to do. And I also announced then, and, and, and reiterating now, that on the uh, 6th of August, uh, when I have my annual health fair, something I've been doing uh, for 30 years before I ever got to Congress, this year, I'm going to focus on vaccinations. And I'm going to have some other lottery. Now, I can't afford a million dollars, but I'm going to do. Uh, I, give out laptops, I give out 175 scholarships Uh, every year to high school graduates uh, headed to college. I give them all a laptop uh, in addition to at least $1,000, some of them as high as $6,000 plus a laptop and a software package. So this year I'm going to get about 25 or 30 extra laptops. And so beyond the 175 that goes to the scholarship recipients, I'm going to have a lottery for anybody who gets vaccinated uh, in high school or college students who gets vaccinated on the sixth of August, they will go into this lottery, and uh, at least twenty five of them uh, who go off to school with a brand new laptop. So I'm I'm doing uh, that's one of the things I'm doing. It may not get many people, but uh, I'll
1: probably come up with other things as well. Mm. Yeah, you know, and that. I- it's nice to see that you're targeting the younger people, because I think they also have been a portion of the population who feels invincible or like, oh, it's not going to be that bad for me. Wow. Um, I'm just saying maybe a little beer, throw a little beer in there. I don't know.
0: <laughs> age limits now. Age well, no. I'm not a beer drinker, so I don't promote beer drinking. And
2: then these people, uh, most of them are probably too young to uh uh, partake of the Jack Daniels of that I drink. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, con- Congressman uh, Claiborne, I, I-, I um, was so excited to be having this conversation with you. And uh, it was really interesting because I-, I turned on um, the news the other day, and there you were on a national news channel um, that tends to lean pretty conservative. Um, and so then I threw your name in the search bar and saw that that um, they seem to invite you on uh, with some regularity onto this conservative, more conservative news channel. And as I've thought about all of this, and you've kind of referenced it, um, you know, just with everything going on, and 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 it has continued even in this health crisis that is impacting Democrats and Republicans alike. Can you talk a little bit about? That, that ability to have cross the aisle conversations. I know your committee is made up with people, you know, from from both parties. How do we how do we continue that? Well, you know, um,
2: I have a a lack of patience with people who tend to uh, be insular. You know, my whole thing is. Uh, I don't know how I educate people to the extent that I can by keeping all my thoughts, my information to myself uh, or not going uh, where these thoughts need to go. I, uh, I say the people who, um, who are political if you can find everything to the church, you know, people say, well, I go to black churches. Well, most black people don't go to church. That's just a fact. Uh, so if you got a message, you got to go where the people are. It's like, what was that criminal? And they ask him, why did he rob banks? It's, that's where the money is, you know? So I go on Fox News. Um I don't go with everybody because if I'm gonna be on there, you gotta get, if, if you want me on your show, you can't be talking over me. If you invite me to your show, say what you gotta say, ask what questions you gotta ask, and listen to my answers. Now, if you aren't gonna listen to my answers, I'm not gonna be on your show. Just just something. Don't invite me. But I go. Uh Neil Cavuto, I suspect that's who you're talking about. I do his show often. Uh, we don't agree, but he he at least is respectful of my opinions. Uh, and then we'll let the listening audience determine uh, where to go or what to think or what how to react to it. So. And I do the same thing. You know, my 10, 20, 30 funding formula that everybody's now uh, talking about, we're trying to turn that into uh, legislation. We got legislation, we're trying to turn it into law. Uh, And it's going to be, it's a bipartisan bill. This is Jim Clyburn. I started it back in 2009. Uh, Now I'm going to get it codified. And Harold Rogers, the Republican from Kentucky, is a co-sponsor of that. Uh, when I started my uh, rural energy savings programs, uh, not for the, uh, his name, he's not in the Congress anymore, not blocking that, he a Republican. He used to co-sponsor of that. Uh, so I don't, um, I don't, as I said to my town hall meeting a couple of nights ago, and someone asked me about this, I said, I don't have anything against Republicans. My mom and daddy were Republicans. And I loved my mom and daddy. So I don't have a problem with Republicans uh, just because you're a Republican. I may have a problem. There's some Democrats that I disagree with. And so uh, this whole notion that uh, I ain't gonna talk to you because you're a Republican—that uh, ain't me.
0: Yeah, the the, the history. Um, uh, shout out another podcast. Um, of course, I'm blanking on the name now, but they did a whole history of the Republican Party um, talking about um, the transition of black people from the Republican Party to the Democratic Party and and how Jackie Robinson was you know a huge Republican party, you know uh, publicist, you know uh, and, and so it is uh, interesting um, right. The, the name itself is not the issue.
2: Yeah, well, let me help you a little bit with that. The, the, the fact of the matter, I knew Jackie Robinson very, very well. I campaigned with Jackie Robinson. The Jackie Robinson, the Republican, the last time I saw Jackie Robinson in person with his Mars Brown AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, the Republican, we were on a program together. I was supporting Hubert Humphrey, and so was he as a Republican. So, you know, uh, this whole notion... Uh, when I, I went to the floor, you remember the day that we were uh, creating the, the national holiday uh, around Juneteenth? Uh, well, uh, McCarthy, uh, the Republican leader, went to the floor to speak on that, and he started blaming uh, all of these uh, monuments uh, in the Capitol. And us. they were all put there by Democrats. And mean all the stuff about Democrats, well, I remember behind him and I was behind them. There, that Yeah, they were Democrats. But when the Democratic Party decided back in the 1960s, most specifically 19, well, you might go back to 1948, uh, it was uh, Harry Truman in 1948 that integrated the armed services. Good well, Yeah. Before him, Franklin Roosevelt, the Democrat, wouldn't do it. But Harry Truman, the Democrat, did do it. And when he signed the executive order integrating the armed services, Strom Thurmond, the Democrat, left the party over that issue and ran as for president on the state's rights ticket. Now, when the it was all over, he came back into the party But when the Democrats decided in the 1960s to pass the 1964 Civil Rights Act under Lyndon Johnson, Strom Thurmond left the party over that issue. And this time, he became a Republican and took a bunch of those Democrats with him. So these people are running around out here now. So many of them, you got to remember, Ronald Reagan was a Democrat. And no matter what he tell you about why you left the party, most of those people, the vast majority of them, left the party because they didn't want to be around uh, the party that was now opening up America to people of color. That's why they left. Uh, McCarthy uh, left the floor uh, without responding to my, my talk that day. So uh, I would engage them all day, every day. Uh, because the history you can't change, and I know it.
1: Mm. Love to see it.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, you 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 sound a little bit like a history teacher. <laughs> <laughs> <Just> a <laughs> I, I, can, I uh,
2: Well, thank you for doing that. Most times, people tell me uh, I sound like my
0: my father, uh, who was a fundamentalist minister. <laughs> Got it. Got it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. Um, you know, I, I, I can see that educator in you because, uh, yeah, again, I just think if, if we have those historical facts, we don't need to change them. We just need to learn from them just because they don't fit with how we wanted things to be or how we want things to be going forward. Uh, we just need to learn from them. And
2: Absolutely. Um, if you, you remember from your studies, Joe Santayana, a uh, great writer, uh, wrote about this, and he says, uh, if we fail to learn the lessons of history, you're bound to repeat them. And so you cannot learn uh, history's lessons unless you learn the history. And if you whitewash the history, if you pretend the history is something different, you're gonna learn the wrong lessons. And so this country is worth preserving uh, for our children and our grandchildren. It has demonstrated uh, over uh, a century and a half now uh, that it is a great country. I believe it was, I know it was Alexis de Tocqueville uh, who wrote in his two-volume work, Democracy in America, that America is not great because it's more enlightened than any other nation. I want your listeners to, to, to hear that. America is not great because it is more enlightened than any other nation, but rather because it has always been able to repair its faults. Slavery was a lack of enlightenment. Jim Crow was a lack of enlightenment. And therefore, the country became great when it demonstrated the ability to repair those faults. That's what makes this country great. And anybody that's trying to take this country back to that dark place is trying to eliminate the greatness of this country. We are in pursuit of perfection in order to uh, pursue a more perfect union.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We must recognize the history, learn from it, know what not to repeat. And in that way, uh, we will achieve uh, more perfection, never perfection, but more perfection.
1: Mm. Beautifully stated. Um, we just did an episode on, you know, patriotism in the 21st century and how, you know, precisely because we love this country, we are speaking out against, you know, its flaws and it doesn't make us anti-American. It's just that we truly believe in its potential. Um, So just kind of to wrap things up here, just switching gears a little bit. So Maurice and I actually operate as building principals um, in elementary schools. And we kind of want to know what your thoughts are on, like, what is your best guess as to what school will look like in the fall?
2: I think the school in the fall, by and large, is going to be much more of a hybrid uh, than we were planning for at the moment. It seems to me that if you look at pockets in Missouri, or Missouri, I think it's the way they prefer that the word be, uh, it be pronounced. Um, if you look at uh, uh, places like Nevada, I know how to pronounce that one too, um, you're going to find that uh, Nevada is doing much better in Missouri, and you might be able to do full, long, in-person classrooms in Nevada. I don't think you're going to be able to do that in Missouri if the current trends continue. So what I think you're going to have much more of a hybrid. Now, that's what makes uh, Joe Biden's program so important. Because even that bipartisan bill that they're the other day, it's got sixty-five billion dollars in it for broadband, and so if we're going to have uh, this uh, pursue education for our children, some will lose another year. It's going to be it'll be a hybrid. So I think education in the fall uh, is going to be a hybrid uh, in many, many places, uh, though we would rather that it be in person. Uh, it will be stupid to go in person uh, if you don't have buildings that have been retrofitted to the point uh, that the HVAC systems uh, won't be churning out uh, COVID-19 uh, and being able uh, to get educated uh, in a safe environment.
0: Well, we are certainly hoping for the best. Um, I know that uh, the CDC has passed some recommendations with regard to mask wearing if you're vaccinated and some of those different things. So we're hoping for the best. Um, uh, Representative Pyburn, it has been an absolute uh, treasure to have you on uh, today. It is our uh, tradition here at Black, Brown and Bilingual to ask our guests to leave us with a Final thought, if there was one thing that you wanted our listeners to walk away with today, um, uh, what would that be? And you can share that with us and then we'll close things out. I'll be glad to. I want the listeners to walk away with what I plan to leave
2: uh, when I depart this country uh, and this world. And that is uh, the fact that this country is a great country is not in need of being made great. We do have a challenge in this country and that challenge is making the country's greatness accessible and affordable for all. I've instructed my children, that's what I want my tombstone. The tombstone is already there. Uh, The grave site is next to my uh, late wife, but I want them to put on that tombstone he did his best to make the country's greatness accessible and affordable for all.
1: Wow, perfectly said. Um, For black, brown, and bilingue, I am one of your hosts, Lisa Jacobson.
0: And I'm Maurice McDavid.
1: Muchas gracias for tuning in.
0: Adios.